Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patented half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So we did it again. Speaking of pop culture, we are like really on top of it now. <laughs> this is the second week in a row where we've said something on the show, just kind of rambling, not prepared at all. And then 10 minutes after... We are out in the show before the show is even live both times. The thing we were rambling about becomes news. Yes. So apparently the pollsters have willed into reality a Cats revival starring Taylor Swift and Jennifer Lawrence. Am I and James Corbin? Corden? James Corden, yes. Is also I can in see him being a Well, cat. he's like everybody's he's, like, you know, Mr. Karaoke guy. Like, well, you know, we need like someone to ham up a, a thing. Cat. Right. But, you know, so I had seen Hamilton and I said I just had had a thought before I saw Hamilton. Like maybe people have been overhyping this because I've been here, a musical theater fan for a long time with, you know, all the various things that people liked that didn't necessarily hold up like Cats. And Kristen looked at me like in horror, like Hamilton is not like Cats. Like, why would you even bring up such a trash, such a piece of trash <laughs> like Cats? I'm like, okay, lots of people really liked Cats. Like, I'm, you know, for better or worse, like it was a thing. Like, I'm not imagining that that was a real thing. And then it was, and now it is a thing again. Someone, do you think somebody listened Listen to it. Someone's like, I have a secret finger on the pulse of like what like kind of, you know, ner- some nerdy girls might like. And so like I immediately like rushed it if into production. If you are interested in what nerdy girls might like, <laughs> you found it. Ground zero. Hello. Uh, so with this then, so A, this is not the first time this has happened to us. This is not the first time this happened to me. No. I did uh, about a year ago. I did an episode of Federalist Radio Hour with Mary Catherine Ham, and it was all about the TRL era, the grand late '90s, early 2000s, like peak total request live yes. on MTV. And no sooner had I walked out of the studio, but we. It was announced that MTV was bringing TRL back. And it was like, oh, we willed this into being. Mm. I think it bombed because I don't think TRL, the model, I don't think it works in the YouTube era when there is no need to request a video from a television network because it's called Googling it. (laughs) But (laughs) Cut cut to, like, the pitch meeting, you know. But I heard some people talking about the Federalist Radio Hour. Like, it's going to... I thought for sure it was going to blow up. A whole lot of us. (laughs) You were wrong. (laughs) But this has now, on on Twitter, (laughs) led me to start proposing um, hashtag musical theater poll questions. It's not a hashtag that is sweeping the nation. But if any of y'all want to get in on the fun, yeah, I'm here for it. That's right. Uh, and if this polling thing doesn't work out, we can be kind of like 
you know, really mediocre musical theater we could reviewers. Tra- we could, we could uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone it up and write <laughs> Book of Mormon, but for polling. You know it's true. Wasn't Isn't Joe Scarborough doing like a Trump musical or something? <sighs> really? I don't I know. I like Joe Scarborough a lot, and hmm. I will not pay money to go see. I don't, I don't need that in my life. I, I don't I need want that to in escape. my life. I go to the theater to truly, fully freaking escape. Like, did you see, did you see there's a very funny thing, and then we'll actually talk about polls. So there was a funny thing on the Onion AV Club, I guess it was, and it was, somebody did a video, and it's a review of the new Mamma Mia movie, and it was like, do you, like, joy in your life, or are you just, like, wagging your, like, angry little critic finger at, like, this <laughs> this pop confection, because you don't like to have fun, like, it was, and it was this, like, angry dude, like, you know, just basically, like, yelling at some kind of snobby anti-Mamma Mia, you know, this, like, imaginary, like, Mamma Mia hater. It's very funny, folks, well, to watch it's, it. Poll relevant because you can imagine a poll question that asks, which of the following best describes you? Yes. A, someone who really likes fun and joy. <laughs> right. B, someone who's a finger-wagging, <laughs> miserable critic. Exactly, exactly. I choose A. Yeah. I choose A in exactly. life. I choose me. Okay, so what are the top lines? You are the top issue. Sorry, that was an anything goes joke. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I think it was pretty good. That was pretty good. Top issue used to be government dysfunction, but there's a new bad boy in town who took the top spot. We will discuss. Then we'll talk a little bit about the alphabet soup of government agencies' views on the EPA, the FBI, and ICE. The verdict is in on Helsinki. Every major media outlet has dropped a poll within the last couple of days. So we'll do a deep dive on foreign policy, why the summit with Putin did not budge Trump's job approval, and more. And finally, what's on the do not playlist at your wedding? We'll talk about people's favorite and least favorite wedding songs. Yeah. So first, well, I mean, we have basically two or three big topics instead of like racing through five or six topics like we sometimes do. And um, there's a lot on immigration this week and Mexico and family separations. There's quite a bit that's been released publicly. And this issue of like, what's the most important issue is just a common question that Gallup asks, that lots of different outlets ask. And for the first time, you have immigration be the top issue. So there's been a lot this week in polling on immigration, Mexico as a top ally, family separation, a variety of not identical but similar related issues. And Gallup has released some helpful polling here. And it is on views toward Mexico as an ally. And Mexico is still overall seen as an ally. 72% say Mexico is an ally or friendly. They have a four-point scale here. Uh, It's 72%. It was 88% you know, not that long ago. In, well, in, 2001. Okay. That's but kind not, of a long But time not ago. like in kind of ancient times. I it, was in high school. I was ancient okay, times. Okay, I guess so. Fair enough. It doesn't <laughs> seem that long. To, no, know, I this, was a pollster during The reason during why it doesn't time. seem that long is because this is, I have a graphic design mm. beef with you, Gallup. If you're going to have uh, time on the x-axis, then it has to be, do it to scale. Yes, There are four data points on this chart. May 2000, April 2001, Fast forward 12 years to June 2013, and then fast forward five years they all have the to same July space 2018, but this. they all have the same space, which is why it doesn't look like it's in ancient times. 
but April t- 2001 was it looks times. like this is is happening at a different pace than it actually was happening in real life that's true but it but I still think the trend line showing the slow erosion over time and the fact that you now have a quarter of Americans who view Mexico as unfriendly or an enemy is I think that is a notable finding. I just have a graphic design beef with them. Yeah, and it's probably not... Make you access to scale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, and sometimes people do, sometimes people don't. And I, you know, I, I, maybe there's some kind of artistic license people are taking. And it's probably not a surprise to see that the, the change here has come from Republicans, or a lot of changes come from Republicans. In 2013, you had um, among Democrat among Republicans, you had 18 percent say unfriendly. Mexico was unfriendly. Six percent enemy. Now in 2018, 25 percent unfriendly among Republicans. Nine percent. Enemy, you had a drop of about 10% of the percent of Republicans who say that Mexico is an ally from 28% now to 17%. Um, a little bit less of, you know, not as much change among Democrats from 2013 to 2018. And you have immigration now being the top issue among Republicans. That's 35% of Republicans say it's the top issue. It's a top issue among independents. It is second among Democrats in terms of the top issue. So it, you know, it, I think, and this is part of a larger thing I'm thinking about, and we'll talk about a little bit when we talk about Putin and Helsinki also, which is how much of this is driving where Trump is, you know, concerns about immigration, thoughts about Mexico, and how much is being driven by Trump? What's the order of causality here? Um, So, uh, you know, I don't know if we can get quite because of the previous score here was from 2013. It wasn't from 2016 or 2015 or 2017, where you could really check that, you know, look at that step-by-step, year-by-year change. Um, So since there was a little bit of change from before, you know, 2001, kind of before our current era altogether, maybe it is part of this worry about immigration is what's driving Trump. But I think also that Trump is changing these numbers, too. I think his rhetoric is changing. His language is changing the emphasis that people place on these issues. So that's why I saw when I looked a little bit at these immigration numbers and Mexico numbers, which I found a little worrying. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a feedback loop. Like, if you actually look at the numbers of things like illegal border crossings, a lot of those metrics are down from from where they had been previously. Um, border crossings are, you know, because he got tough or whatever. Um, but nonetheless, so, it, you know, the question is, did Trump win the nomination in the Republican Party and then win the election because he uniquely saw that this was an issue a lot of people cared about and talked about it a lot? Or does the causality arrow point the other way? That like he talked about it, people voted for him for other reasons because he was going to blow up the system or they liked him on trade or whatever. And then this is just his focus on this has been a byproduct. Um, I I think both of those things can be, I think it can just be a feedback loop. Um, But certainly when you take a look, you know, Gallup has asked this question, what's the most important problem facing the country? Uh, And for a long time, the answer has been like government dysfunction, government not working well. Um, immigration is now... Before that, it was the economy. It hasn't been the economy quite it as much in the last couple of years. It's been government in, dysfunction. In a little while. Anyway. That, no, that's too. right. And I think before it was the economy, it was like foreign policy, terrorism, war in Iraq stuff. And I think before that, I don't know if Gallup showed this, but I remember at, at my old firm where I worked, before 9-11, the top issue used to be education. 
I think in some of the polling that we had around the office, like if you looked back far enough, it went education and then you had 9-11 in Iraq. And so then you had this whole like almost a decade of foreign policy being the top. Then you had the financial crisis, which led to almost a decade of the economy being at the top. And since we approached the 2016 election, government dysfunction has been the top. Yeah. This and is now a, it's immigration. This is a bit of a, dig- a digression, but the most important issue question, I mean, is very interesting. It's not always asked the same way. If you say, what's the most important thing that you want to see your elected officials focus on, you're more likely to get education to that kind of question, I think, than, than perhaps some, some other answers. Um, and, it, you know, if you ask about what affects people personally, what matters to you personally, you might get a different answer. And also, also, what are you, you know, what are people thinking? How are the answer categories described or defined? Is it an open end? Do you get people closed end? Are you giving people some kind of, you know, value or partisan poll in your answer category? Or do you just say immigration? Or do you say crackdown on illegal immigration? Or are you reforming our immigration laws? Or is it just immigration? Anyway, this is a bit of a digression. So, but meanwhile, immigration as the answer to the Gallup most important issue is now the top the highest it's ever been. And this is being driven by both Republicans and Democrats. So if you look at the chart that tracks over time what percentage of people were choosing immigration as the most important problem in the U.S., uh, back in August of 2017, so less than a year ago, um, Republicans and Democrats were actually both pretty close on that. I mean, Republicans 11 percent picked immigration. Democrats 7 percent picked immigration. Democrats' numbers stayed around there until you get to the family separation issue last month. And then all of a sudden it goes from from four in May to 10 in June to 17 in July, like really shoots up the charts with Democrats. Meanwhile, for Republicans, you know, it had already spiked in February a little bit and then settled back down. But now for Republicans, 35 percent of Republicans say immigration is the most important problem in the U.S. So the child separation issue both moved Democrats up on this number, mm-hmm. but also moved Republicans up on this number, hence it overtaking government dysfunction. Right. And the last time, by the way, so then Gallup also has data on this going all the way back to January uh, of 2001. And by the way, I think the x-axis is actually to like proper time scale here. It kind of looks like it sure, is. Yeah. So kudos. Um, well, it looks like they have more tracking. There's more, there are more data yeah. points, yes. Yeah. Um, but on this one, they have a big spike on immigration around 2006, which you may recall, I believe that's when comprehensive immigration reform, gang of eight, the bill that became known as like the John McCain amnesty bill, mm-hmm. like that was all, that was that era. Um, so immigration spiked before and then sort of went away, spiked again in 2014. Interestingly, that looks like right before the 2014 midterms. I wonder, I'm trying to think of what was going on with immigration around that time. And all I can think of is were people freaked out about Ebola. And uh, which is not the same, Mm. but I mean, that is kind of like travel. And, you know, there was talk about restricting like flights. That's I'm just I'm trying to think of like what was going on in fall of 2014 regarding immigration and that's the only thing that comes like that would have driven a spike from one month it's 2% of people say it's the top issue and the next month 17% of people say it's the top issue like what could have happened that was so aggressive am i forgetting some big news story from that i mean you know you could uh, i mean these spikes i don't know maybe these spikes just have to do with 
a con- it's a conjecture of you know Republicans in you know midterm elections you know reverting to using immigration as a wedge issue in in campaigns. And you see a little bit of a spike you know in uh, 2010. So you do see spikes right before the midterms. So that wouldn't that is a, a hypothesis that is supported by the data. Okay. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Well, let's talk a little bit. You did some. This is a navigator yeah, poll, right? The latest navigator. Yeah, we'll talk, talk about, about it. it. We did it before the before Helsinki. So we'll talk. We have some foreign policy data that we'll talk about when we get there. But we had some questions about family separation and what phrases came to mind or what worried people the most about it. Because this is, you know, this is something that, as we were just discussing, is. It is a potential outcome, you know, political outcome of this policy, which is does it, you know, activate or motivate folks on the left who find it repulsive? Um, and what people said that worried, they were worried the most about this, how you would describe it is that the government taking children away from their parents, that that taking kids away more than separating families, just as a, as a phrase was what people, you know, volunteered as what they, they what worried them about the policy. And then some other phrases and words that people found the most concerning, cruel and inhumane, um, more than things like, you know, terrible or disgusting or immoral or un-American or or unconstitutional. This cruel and inhumane and made people feel disgusted and angry. Those were the words and phrases that people said best described how they felt about this policy. So as a result of the sort of furor around um, the family separation, there was uh, has become more discussion about the question of abolishing ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which I believe was the organiz- is the, the government entity that replaced INS. I, I don't know enough about the sort of evolution of government agencies. Right. It's not brand new. It's been around it's not for brand new. a few, several years. Um, but this has now become a question of, you know, there are many folks in the Democratic Party who have adopted sort of hashtag abolish ICE as a, a, a position. Um, this is one of those sorts of things that is, you know, there are immigration wedges on the Republican side where, you know, the big differences within the party and what do you do about DACA and what have you. Um, But I feel like abolish ICE is not one where the wedge is on the Republican side. Uh, But here you actually have Pew has asked uh, people to give their views on various government agencies. Um, And ICE is the least popular of the one that they tested. So National Park Service, 83 percent favorable. Census Bureau, 69 percent favorable. High five to our fellow uh, statisticians. Despite the fact that this has become actually a little partisan, but right. for people who are f- closely following such things, well, but you know, it's not partisan in the overall views of the FBI, public. FBI, uh, 65% favorable. CIA, 61% favorable. HHS, 60 favorable. Department of Justice, 58% favorable. Then you get down to IRS, EPA, and ICE. IRS at 57% favorable honestly surprises me, but 
hey, you do you, America. <laughs> um, but when they take a look at the partisan lean on the FBI question and you take a look at how it has evolved in recent years. So they have data from 2010 showing that there was no partisan difference on um, the FBI. And as of like zero, basically like zero, yeah, no difference. Republican, yeah. Democrat, Independent. It is that is a unicorn of a question. Those things yep. don't exist. Yep. Well, they certainly don't exist anymore. Now, when you ask people for their views of the FBI, seventy-seven percent of Democrats feel favorably. So it's an increase of nine points. Independents, right about where they were in twenty ten, they haven't really moved. Republicans have fallen a lot, fell from seventy-one percent favorable in twenty ten all the way to forty-nine percent now. Pretty big drop. Yeah. I mean, this again, it's, it's another point here. Like who is the who's driving who here? It, it, you know, when Trump starts to, you know, crit, you know, criticize law enforcement and, uh, you know, you know, his own law enforcement, essentially his own administration's law enforcement. And that drives, you know, news coverage and that drives Republican support for law enforcement, which is kind of, you know, antithetical to the sort of law and order Republican thing. Um, you know, it, it is it is not that, you know, the base was clamoring for their president to attack the FBI, you know, or to criticize the FBI. But it, as a result of the president talking about the FBI or talking about, you know, his own law enforcement, you see these numbers drop. And so, you know, that's what's interesting about here about this is that how this conversation can, you know, can drive voters like who's driving who. Um, and what's interesting is that, you know, the ICE number being as unfavorable as it is, um, and, you know, with different kinds of Democrats, I mean, there's no, you know, whether it's conservative or moderate Democrats or liberal Democrats, both groups, majorities of both groups are unfavorable toward ICE. Um, what is characterized as this, you know, position that divides Democrats and is controversial among Democrats, maybe it's not so controversial among Democrats. Yeah, I mean, it's for Republicans, you know, even moderate and liberal Republicans are very favorable toward ICE. Um, but this is it, it is an issue where I was surprised to see. And again, this is not abolish ICE. Right. This is favorable or unfavorable views of ICE. There have been some Democrats who have said, look, maybe it just needs let's, reform let's fix, yes. rather than abolish. Yes. So I still don't think that this eliminates the idea that it's a wedge. But certainly, I, I'm, I'm not here presenting data that there right. is a wedge. Right, right, so right. I'm just commenting on the overall, the narrative. No, I... The narrative I, TM. I, no, I, <laughs> no I, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I mean, the other thing that surprised me that ICE even had this many people able to give some favorable or opposed to well, ICE. Well, they did say percent who have a, an opinion of immigrations and customs enforcement. Oh, so okay. for these, they're not just asking people to know what HHS okay. is or to right. know they, just what on this chart is. It is just, on this chart. They have shortened it, ice. but it looks yes. like they, they did. Oh, yeah, there you're, you're right yeah. on this other one. Um, but even even so, I mean, so I guess they're like, is it favorable? If you haven't heard of ICE, then you're like just you are probably just commenting. On, you're thinking about, well, I like immigration and customs enforcement, you know? I like the idea of enforcement. That sounds good. Or, I, you know, I suspect and, I don't know, like the idea of enforcement. There are some Republicans, there are some conservative Republicans, not a ton, but 17% of conservative Republicans have an unfavorable view toward ICE. And you, you don't know, is it unfavorable because they think ICE is too harshly... Uh, 
enforcing immigration law? Or do they think they're not being tough enough? That they need to do a better job protecting the border? I mean, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what's driving that? Yes. So anyway, more. But, you know, the one, I guess, I don't know what to make of this exactly, but that the EPA, which had been partisan for a very long time in their views, now are very similar <laughs> in D's and R favorability toward the EPA. I guess that's interesting. That's worth noting after, you know, almost 20 years of being an incredibly part, you know, a huge partisan divide in favorability. Yep. Hey, now we all agree on something. <laughs> Look at that. This is Trump it. administration bringing people together. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk for just a second about President Trump's job approval, which has gone up to 43.8%. So after last week, I mean, it, well, and I expressed my, you know, Cold Warrior Republican horror at, at what had gone down, but I am in the minority in my party. Welcome to my perpetual hell. And so, you know, in this. That's why we, we that's why we talk about musicals. That's why we talk about <laughs> musicals. Um, the uh, Trump's approval did not go down. No. It, it nudged, nudged upward. And is this a like circling the wagons effect that like because the blowback against what happened in Helsinki was so fierce and so widespread that. You had Republicans close ranks. I mean, we'll, we'll talk in just a second about there are a whole bunch of different polls asking, did you approve or disapprove of the way Helsinki went down? And majorities of Republicans across every poll I can find said, yeah, yeah he did a good job. Yep. And so I got asked um, by a, a friend of mine who may be writing a column about this, so I won't like blow his cover. But he asked me, he said, do you think it's actually that Republicans really like what Trump did? Or do you think that it's they just, hey, you just read me a poll question that had the word Trump in it. So I'm just going to say approve because I'm not paying that much attention. Do they? Or they're just coming to his defense because they feel everybody's out to get him. Like every time he just says, you know. Or maybe they, and his contention was, you know, back during the the sort of worst days of the Iraq war, you would have a lot of Republicans saying they thought that the Iraq war was going well, even if they would had some misgivings, they still nonetheless felt like, well, but if I criticize, like if I say I dislike it, then am I being like disloyal to the troops or whatever, you know, right. and so are there other dynamics going on here where if you say like, no, I don't like the way things went in Helsinki, are you you know, you're putting yourself in league with the the lamestream media or what, you know, like there, there could be a lot of things going on here besides just voters actually having seen the whole long clip and going, yep, that's actually exactly what I want out of my foreign policy. Um, but I, I don't want to like make excuses because right. there are people who have watched extensive coverage of this and nonetheless came away thinking, yeah, that was what we wanted. So Axios and SurveyMonkey um, asked, do you approve or disapprove of the way Trump handled his press conference with Putin? Overall, it was 40% approve, 58% total disapprove. So pretty close to his normal job approval numbers. Right. Um, Republicans in this poll, 79% approved. Um ABC Washington Post found slightly lower approval among Republicans. Their approve-disapprove was only um, 33% 
approving of how Trump handled the summit with half disapproving. Um, And that's because among Republicans, they only had approval at 66 percent. So it's still two thirds, but 66 is a lot lower than what the Axios poll showed. And then finally, CBS also asked, did you approve or disapprove of President Trump's handling of his summit with Putin? Here, you wound up with 68 percent of Republicans approving, only 32 percent overall. So both CBS and ABC's polling are fairly close in line with each other, while the uh, Axios poll shows more positive numbers for the president, largely because it shows more positive numbers among Republicans. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's pretty look, it's pretty consistent, right? I mean, however, these numbers fluctuate a little bit. There's still the same pattern holds, as you as you noted, Republicans thought he did a good job. Um, It's, you know, if you watch Republican or conservative media outlets, you know, even there, they weren't uniformly praising him. I mean, it was like, well, he might, you know, I heard, I heard some folks say like, oh, well, he, maybe he was jet lagged or maybe nobody told him what to, he needed someone to tell him what to say. Or, you know, other people have been the same, done the same thing in previous, you know, big summits. And this is just, you know, another example, like, let's not get carried away like this was some big deal because other people, like didn't, you Neil know. Like Cavuto tore his face off. Trish Regan, who is one of the most Trump supportive hosts on Fox Business was like, no, this was wrong. And the fact that in that case, like the the viewer's reaction was like, no host, you're wrong. Yeah, is like, right. I mean, right. That's what I'm saying. That's the monster has gotten out of the lab and is eating the scientists. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> we never knew this would happen when we just, you know, blindly said everything he did was right for so long. How would we have ever known? Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, it was quite astounding to see these numbers because, I mean, it wasn't like other situations where, you know, what Trump did something and like, you know, the right said it was great and the left said it was wrong. Right. Um and, you know, so I, I don't know why. I think part of it is just a defense of, of somebody they feel is being constantly attacked, can do no right, can only do wrong in their, you know, their eyes. That's how, you know, Trump is being treated by the press. And so they're willing to give him a pass. There may be also an element of like, you know, uh, I, I'm not, you know, in, unless you are watching it closely and some you feel like you trust the commentator and the analysis, you may not necessarily fully process it in the context of like what this means in the context of, you know, a foreign policy conversation because, you know, people don't follow foreign policy very closely. Um I, I don't think it's that people woke up the morning before Helsinki and said, I really hope. This is what happens this week in Helsinki. This is really this would be so great. I don't I think this is voters being led by the conversation to then say this was good rather than Trump saying, you know, what my base really wants and him nailing it. I, I don't think that's what's happening here. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, you know, you've got a whole bunch of different polls all kind of telling the same story with the exception of the Axios one. Uh, by the way, NBC Wall Street Journal, it doesn't they don't have a question that I can see on here specifically about the health. Helsinki summit. It might exist and we just don't have it in our script. But they did ask, do you approve or disapprove of Trump's handling of the relationship with Russia? And in this case, it was 51 percent disapprove, 26 percent approve, which is a little lower than the specific asking about Helsinki. I I wonder, I guess my, my last point on this is I think NBC Wall Street Journal, ABC Washington Post, 
and CBS News are all three of those polls phone polls. Because then the Survey Monkey one is online, and there's oftentimes this discussion of does Trump do better in online polls because you're not talking to a live interviewer? Like, is there, are these phone polls, are there people who are like, yeah, I did kind of like what happened in Helsinki, but like they're embarrassed to give that answer? This is getting back into like missing slash shy Trump voter territory, which is a debate that has sort of been resolved already. But if I'm looking for like, why would this survey monkey poll be noticeably more positive to the president than the three major media polls that all use similar like, you know, old school gold standard methodologies like could that be a factor? I don't know. I mean, when Pew did their experiments to try to, you know, their mode uh, experiment, they found that there, to the extent there was any difference between online and live callers was a little bit among Republicans on immigration, just a little bit, not like an overall views toward Trump. So I don't know if that, you know, tells us anything about this. So the NBC Wall Street Journal poll had a question on, it said, do you... I'll have to check what the dates were. Um, it was released on the 22nd, so I guess it would have been afterwards. Um, in general, do you believe that Trump has a relationship with Vladimir Putin that is too friendly and therefore not appropriate for an American president to have with the president of Russia? Or do you not have an opinion on this? So they have tracking on this. Yes, too friendly. No, not too friendly. Or no opinion. Um, and a plurality now say yes, too friendly. Oh, and that was asked after, um, okay, asked of sample A, July 15th. Okay, so this was asked after the uh, Helsinki summit. The plurality said yes, too friendly. Mm-hmm. Well, tell uh, talk a little bit more. So there's another thing you asked about in this Navigator poll yeah. that was, it wasn't just about the Helsinki summit or what have you, but it was about it was all that broad, before. Yeah, yes. this was broad foreign policy vision. Um, and what I appreciated about this, the way you did this, is I think sometimes when we ask poll questions, you know, you could say, do you support or oppose policy X? And people are giving answers that are just sort of in some ways based on gut instinct. Like, what can they say to get the person off the phone fastest? Or what are they, in thinking about it for three seconds before they click to the next page of the survey, what's their gut telling them? That's valuable information. On the other hand, you know, I can get a whole bunch of people giving me their gut reaction to like, do you support or oppose policy X? And what does that tell me about the political salience of the issue or how it might move people or what messages might change? I mean, we're limited in what information we get from that. But asking, but giving people like, here are two different visions. It's not a specific policy you have to have read a bunch about. It's just two visions for what American foreign policy should look like. Right. Here, I actually think gut reactions to them is useful and I think you effectively and accurately captured the way the Trump administration would describe their foreign policy. This is not like some weighted like the Democrats amazing foreign policy plus like Trump his his stupid foreign policy. Like it's uh, this is a cool question. So walk well, us thanks. through what you did well, here. Well, I'm you know, you said you I'm not going to take credit for it because this is the you know, I'm part of the team global strategy group, Jeff Pollack and Nick and Will and the, all the folks uh, and the navigator team all worked collaboratively collaboratively on this. But it is important to make sure you have 
when you have these kind of either or or forced choice or statement pair questions that you are testing two real things, not like your thing and some versus some made up straw man, literally. Um, and I saw a poll today or yesterday about SCOTUS, by the way, where I had like the Republican, you know, pro Kavanaugh thing versus some anti Kavanaugh thing that like nobody on the left would ever say. And, and so we're not going to talk about that poll, but like that was an example. I was like, they are not accurately capturing what we would say on the left. Anyway, so what we did here is we asked like, which do you agree with more? This is a common format to see when like pressure tested, when asked to choose between the two opposing frames of an issue, which do you pick? Um, uh, and, you know, in both of these questions, people pick the, you know, the more democratic side. So here's the first one. America's current foreign policy is creating unnecessary conflicts, harming the U.S. economy. Trade tariffs attack our allies instead of work with them. And American farmers and companies already having already have to lay off workers, make cutbacks, et cetera. Or America first foreign policy is working. We have a growing economy, strong military borders, an end to unfair trade deals. America is showing we won't be pushed around anymore and the world is being forced to take notice. America is winning. So that, it, you know, uses like, you know, uses Trump's language um, on the on the right. I mean, we were testing things he says, basically. And the, you know, the other version talks about like the economic impact of our foreign policy. And this was poll. This poll was taken before Helsinki. I should note, and it was taken before. And we have other foreign policy questions in there, and people can take a look and and see for themselves. And before some of the more recent, you know, trade tariff announcements that have come in the last, you know, day or two, right? Like the aid for farmers and so on. I mean, there's just been a few things that have come out just in the last couple of days. Um, and then we have another one. So in that one, 62% agree that. Uh, foreign policy is creating unnecessary conflict. And then we have another one. It's split sampled the same uh, message on the right. And then the left message is America's foreign policy is only making America more alone and less safe. We're becoming more isolated by turning our back on friends, breaking international agreements, abandoning our leadership role without allies like the United Kingdom, Germany and Canada. America will be less safe. Um, and there 58 percent agree with that message. So it's not that big of a difference. It's a little bit of a difference between that and, you know, the more economic outcome, the economic concern about our current foreign policy. And the leader or the the people who, uh, the person that people are most worried about Trump's damage to U.S. relations with is Justin Trudeau. The most divisive figure on the pollsters. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that answer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, but he would, he would have been the winner if, you know, you asked these questions, you know, something like that about me. But I really want us to stay friends with Angela Merkel because no, she's I like literally all of these people. holding I'm just, the world you know, together. I'm she's just holding us to back Instagram. from the brink of global destruction. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, you know, being silly. <laughs> I'm just, just for the record here. Um, okay, yeah. So anyway, it's it's you know foreign policy is perhaps more of an issue than it may normally be. I mean, and normally it's not necessarily the big vote drive. Remember, we talked about the most important issues, and you know none of them right now are foreign policy, immigration, you know, adjacent, not the same. Um, 
And it's it's harder for people to, you know, get concerned about foreign policy when they have economic issues here at home and, you know, things that they can see in their daily life. And, you know, foreign policy sometimes can be far, far removed and harder to follow and harder, you know, to make sense of because you're not you don't have a primary relationship with it. You don't have firsthand experience with it. Um, but if you have these stories, whether it's about trade or about Trump and how his handling of foreign policy, his recklessness, or, you know, maybe he's seen as not strong. We talked about this last week. Um, You know, it may change whether or not this is an important issue for people. Well, let's, last but not least, talk about the most banned wedding songs. 538 has compiled a listing of Songs that wind up on people's do not playlists. And I'm trying to figure out how they put this data together, but I'm not going to look that hard because this is the part of the show where we don't, we throw methodological and, and, concerns and normally out we, the window. And we don't always, you know, use their fun list it's, for our own, but this was quite They, they had 182 good. wedding playlists that were submitted mm. over the last two months. So you can have a list of like, I want you to play these songs. This right. is going to be the father-daughter dance song or whatever, but you can also have I don't want this song played at my wedding. Um, and I was thinking th- this is very timely because my cousin Andy got married over the weekend. And I was so sad that I couldn't be there. But we have at my wedding, my cousin. So our Umbop by Hanson is our song as as a cousin group. Oh, okay. Because in, the, in 1996 <laughs> or 7, whatever summer it was, we like remade a music video to Mbop in Andy and his siblings' basement in Tunkhannock, Pennsylvania, and it's great. And it lives on eight millimeter tape, and That's will never great. make its way to YouTube. So don't ask. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, at my wedding, my cousins tried to request Mbop, and the DJ was like. No. And I had to go, like, pull a bride override to be like, no, no, no. Actually, it's okay. This is, like, it's a special song for me and the various cousins who are all here. So just do it. We're going to torment the other people that are here. But bride override. But there That's were good. songs, I think, that we had on a do not playlist. I think the chicken dance was not one of them because I just implicitly trusted our DJ to have some level of taste. Right. <laughs> but I, I do think that the cha-cha slide was one that we explicitly banned. Did you did you have the any cha-cha songs? slide? Yeah, no, we and cha-cha you know, slide is number two on this list. Chicken dance we is had one. Like a, we had like a legit DJ who would never even have had these things to begin with. Like we had, we had like a, yeah, like, we had like a, a like a legit club DJ who would ne- like it would nobody would have asked and he would have said no like it was you know there 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 was a very high bar to get played and none of these songs would have made it i, I don't um i don't know what some of the who puts bohemian rhapsody on the do not playlist savages savages too no we that we played that at my wedding and it the dance floor became like a impromptu rock opera uh we didn't have a videographer, so this is all just like lost to the ages. It's all just stored in my my memory. But that was one of my favorite wedding reception memories. I feel like I should not be that like waggy waggy finger person from the uh, you know the waggy critic from the Onion video. <laughs> do about you Mama like Mia. fun, or do you like being miserable? <laughs> right. Which exactly. one, Margie? You must choose. <laughs> that, you, obviously, you've seen it because that's basically. 
basically it was. Um, I don't know what the cha-cha slide is versus the Cupid shuffle versus, like, I know they're, like, original electric slide, but I don't know exactly what these sort of, whichever is sort of the new slide that people listen to. And I don't know what wobble is. Oh. Who listens to the hokey pokey? What is wrong with these people? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, wobble. I can't even imagine, be, like, being... Thinking through enough to put the hokey pokey on my band list. So Wobble, my uh, husband's cousin, got married. And at their wedding reception, they played this. And when it played, 100% of the white people on the dance floor were like, I don't know what this is. And all sat down. Uh. But everybody else was like up and loving it. And so I think it is a... I think it's just a th- and like that's the only wedding that I had been to where I heard it. Uh, okay, but right. it, but it was cool. I thought it was cool. I would not have put it on a do not playlist. Well, I'm just I, it was one of those where like a hundred percent of like the white relatives were like, I don't know what this song is. So, okay, <laughs> so it's either my I have never heard of it list or your do not playlist. Um, okay, fair enough. Now chicken dance. I think that that is maybe. I wonder. I mean, twenty three percent is kind of high in a list of like this many playlists and songs I'm sure that they submitted. So I wonder, and what I wonder is if there was a partisan divide in any of these that we do not know. Uh, Or is there, can people finally get together in their dislike for the chicken dance? People all agreeing on the EPA or people all agreeing on the chicken dance. We've really found a lot of potentially bipartisan things. on this show today. Oh, so Margie, what did we learn? I don't have a lot here. We didn't learn that much. We learned, <laughs> okay, we learned a couple things here. One, who is leading who? Is the base leading Trump or is Trump leading the base? And then I had one for one of the other things that we cut. So we, never mind that. And, but I know what people can agree. They like the pollsters. <laughs> the show really just the wheels <laughs> fell off at the end. I'm sorry. I, that's, this is the best you I got. You can find us on Twitter if you want. At the pollsters. <laughs> at Casildas Anderson. At VRG Romero. Facebook. That's right. It's the, the end of the day, the y'all. Thepollsters.com. It's, it's been a long day. <laughs> Thanks, and we'll see you guys next week. Take care.